Hey, buddy. Hello, my brother. How are you doing? We're uh, we're doing good. How are how are you? I'm doing good too. Uh, life is good. It's sunny outside. How is it it's in uh, Alabama? Uh, it's uh, it's good. It's good in Alabama. It's sunny outside. It's a little bit cold, actually, slightly out of character. But it's a nice uh, it's a nice sunny Monday. What time is it for you over there in up in New York? Is it is it 12:45? You 44. You you almost got that. Correct. It's 45 now. Yep. Yep. I can tell the future, so I knew it would become 12. Oh, you, you can tell. You can tell the future. That's. Yeah, telepathic. <laughs> Only when it comes to the time, though. I know that in in five minutes it'll be uh 12:50. Okay. Pretty amazing, right? Yeah. I yeah. I can tell the future. Yeah. Can you? Can you tell me who um if I'm gonna be able to uh, get married to um Jennifer Aniston? Ooh, that is not within the realm of my possibilities. Um, it's not with that. Uh, it's not within my powers. But also, no. <laughs> okay. Also, no. I'm, I can almost guarantee that that's not going to happen. Is that your future telling, or just like you just? That's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. That's not my powers speaking because I'm not. You know, I, my powers they're, they're limited. How did you cultivate these powers? Um, I observed time passing. And I saw a pattern in time, and through through the powers of just observation, learning how time works, I developed these powers. So, are you going to be developing any inverted bullets anytime soon? Oh, I hope to not interact with any bullets as long as any time. Very good. I don't want to. I don't want to interact with any bullets, inverted or inverted, inverted or verted. You know, no matter what the vert status is of the bullets i uh i don't want it what if the bullets are made for the ladies um lady bullets are fine lady bullets they can they can come come my way but man bullets i feel like all bullets are man bullets uh no no there is bullets specifically made for females for female pleasure so just really putting that out there oh yeah i know i know the ones you're talking about <laughs> Yep. They're battery powered. They are. <laughs> they're not that yeah. lethal. They're not lethal. They're the opposite of lethal. They're the opposite of. They're the opposite of damage. All right. Um. Since we did uh since we did an episode last time where it was very much like a character development episode, right? It was a character development episode in that you uh not not that I'm a character in any sense, but you are. You are a character. Thanks. I. <laughs> <laughs> thank you um not that i'm like a we're not like character building is in like uh team building or self-esteem building like that or even like character development in the narrative structure sort of way it was like a you know introduction to like who we are right and you 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 asked me questions i told you who i was you already knew all these of course but it's like largely for purposes of the audience and the podcast right i'm very tired by the way so if i'm sounding um like i'm not making any sense chalk it up to sleep deprivation no no um, you're doing you're doing good thanks buddy yeah. um anyway but i figured i'd do the same thing for this episode I think, um i think you're a cool guy i think you have led an interesting life i just wanted to ask you to elaborate on that life and i think that would make good content so um yeah absolutely absolutely where would you like me to start tell me your name first what's your full name it's uh robert patterson Wow, that's incredible! You're—I just saw a movie with with you in it. Yep. Yep. It was uh, Cosmopolis. Okay. Uh-huh. It was really bad. I don't know why you decided to do that movie. Like, okay, your okay. dialogue was absolute dog shit. I—it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Honestly, you were just in a limo the whole time, and I think that girl from Synecdoche in New York was in there, and you were cheating on your your wife. Okay, that wasn't really me. Hot. That wasn't me. I'm not a cheater. Okay, I'm not a cheater. My my actual okay. name. My actual Are name. You not- <laughs> no, I'm not Robert Patterson. Um, you make him sound so bad, but um, I'm Masi Amadzai. That is my name. Masi Amadzai. Now, where where is Amadzai from? Because that doesn't sound like a Western. So where are you? Uh, it's uh, it's Middle Eastern. It's from Afghanistan. Okay. Were you born in Afghanistan? Yes, I was in Kabul, Kabul, Afghanistan. Kabul. Okay. And Kabul is that's a major city in Afghanistan. Yes. It is. It is. I, I believe it's the capital of Afghanistan. And eventually you moved to America. Yes. Uh, we moved here in 2000, uh, October of 2000. 
October of 2000. Okay. You got in right in time. You got, you got in like just in time, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, absolutely. I don't think I would have been able to, um, get here after 2000, 2001. Did not. Yeah. Yeah. Like I wouldn't, it wouldn't have been as easy. You might've been able to get in like, um, June, 2001. I think that probably would have been fine, but, um, November 2001, it would have been uh, a little dicey. It would have been. Isn't uh, was it November or September? 9/11. It was September. It was September. Yeah, November wouldn't have worked out. Yeah, yeah, November. It's not November 11th. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Yeah, no, I I I messed up my months there, but yes, you're right. November would not have worked out. No, it wouldn't have wouldn't have worked out. Um, okay, so like, what um, so you're 20. How old are you now? I am in America. I'm 27 uh, years old, but technically, uh, my real age is 28 years old. Why are you telling me this? You shouldn't be telling the world. This is going to go on the internet. I don't mind. I mean, they, it's been. I've been on the same age. They don't have any birth certificates from Afghanistan to prove that I'm. I'm uh, 28 years old in general. Okay. I'm not worried about it anymore. I mean, um. You're not worried about it anymore? No, okay. no. I've been, um, if they, we've, we've talked about it. Me and my brother, um, are basically the same age, um, but sure. we're not twins. And, uh, if they yeah. haven't figured that out yet, so I'm not worried about it. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, I didn't know if you were worried about that or not. And I actually, I don't know why I said it was nefarious, what you were, <laughs> your age. <laughs> I don't know what kind of scam would benefit from you changing your age. <laughs> well, no, it is it is an actual thing that foreigners do for uh, better education. Usually, they put their kids' oh, really? ages. Yeah, when when they get to America or a country where they they have good education, um, they put their kids' ages back a little bit so they can get better education. I mean, some people some people make it. Uh, they abuse it and they put the kid kids age back five years, which is kind of like, yo, Whoa, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's growing a mustache. <laughs> yep, yep. I like, oh yeah. Than all the other kids, it's growing a mustache. He's hitting on the teachers in twelfth grade. Yeah, I, I've he's, met... he's hitting on the teachers <laughs> as a freshman. Yep, <laughs> yep. He's going through puberty in third grade, yeah. <laughs> second yeah. grade. Damn. Um, Damn. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. Like if you enter an earlier year, you would get like an extra year or so of education in the public schools. Yes. That that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Um, all right. So you're 20, are you 28 now? Yes. I'm 28 now. I'll be 29 in October. So you were only eight years old when you moved to, to America. Yes. Yes, I was. So you, about the first, about the first third of your life was spent in Afghanistan. Yes. Um, um, okay. Well, so like from, from that perspective, can you tell me like, what, what do you think the major differences that are between Afghanistan and the United States? That's an excellent question. So uh, when I was born in Afghanistan and Kabul, um, there was war going on constantly. And, um, my father decided to move us to Pakistan because, Kabul wasn't that safe. There was, I think, the Soviet Union's um, was there, and it wasn't safe. So we moved from Afghanistan to Pakistan to get away from war. And then when we got to Pakistan, um, there was some some kind of war going on. I was too young to really know what was going on, but there was a lot of violence, and it wasn't. It's a lot of violence and poverty, um, and a lot of shadiness. So sure. my um, my father was. Uh, I believe a journalist and some kind of a businessman at the same time. He had a lot of connections and he was respected by a lot of a lot of people in our society in our neighborhood. Um, but it, he was also, I think, um, he also made some some um, enemies along the way, whatever his business was. Um, when I was younger, guns and guns and um, any any weapons weren't that. I didn't. I guess they weren't uncommon. They were kind of common, but I didn't. I wasn't around them. I never held any weapons. Uh, but my um, my family was uh, always. They had uh, plenty of people in my family were armed. So um, sure. But um, 
the reason why we, we left Afghanistan was because it was basically, we were refugees eventually. My father um, traveled a lot and uh, one time we were, one time we were um, in, Afghan- in Pakistan. I mean, we were living in Pakistan and um, I, I um, asked my uh, mom for some money to go to the arcade. We used to, lo- we used to love playing video games over there. Uh, me and my brother Mansoor, we would go to the arcade a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, uh, my mom told me to ask my dad for money, and she, mm-hmm. I asked him for some for some money, and he gave me more more than I asked for. And then the way I remember it, I gave him a hug, and then I went to the arcade. And in the arcade, um, I was just chilling, playing a video game. I'm not sure what, but my brother scared me from behind. He like like did some kind of boo or something, and scared me and we started playing video games together at the arcade and um we hear gunshots and we usually think it's either fireworks or guns or bullets or whatever we don't really mind it um like i didn't see that many people get hurt i didn't see people get shot and stuff like that i don't know maybe maybe i did but i don't remember but that moment i remember because the the um, arcade owner was like uh yama's yama's uh, is yama's brothers here Yama is my oldest brother, um, and we're like, yeah, what's up? And they're like, uh, they saying your father got shot. So Jesus. Um, yeah, and we thought they were talking about a different Yama. So, anyways, my brother, my older brother Mansur was like, let's get going. So we started running, and on the way, I trip and I hit my head, and I pass out. And when I get there, um, my mom's hysterical. There's a bunch of neighbors and. There's a bunch of people around my mom and she's like hysterical and basically weeping and everything. And then the way my brother told the story, he said that she thought my father was shot. And then she also thought that they killed, they shot me too because I was unconscious and there was blood coming out of my hair, my head. So yeah, um, eventually uh, we realized that, I mean, I realized my father was shot and he was dead and um the funeral kind of haunts me till this day because yeah i remember they were washing the, his body and um i saw meat coming out of his body and i don't want this to be too graphic for people but like yeah it's kind of like that's that was my last m- image of my father that i remember and um, yeah how old were you at that point probably seven um no actually six probably five or six yeah um that's very yeah that's an extremely, extremely traumatic experience for a six-year-old, you know, losing his father and seeing his father die violently. That's it's awful. That's terrible. There's no words that I can I can say that will describe adequately like the horror that experienced. I agree. I agree. It is um it, it it was really difficult. I mean, it wasn't. I was trying to understand because I was raised religiously, so um. Uh, eventually we had to leave Afghanistan or Pakistan because the people that did, um, they killed the people that killed my father kept calling and leaving death threats to my mom about all her sons and her kids. And my mom had to do something. So she figured out a way to get us here. Um, I believe mm-hmm. it was through, um, refugee, some kind of refugees resettlement program. Um, and we got here, but, uh, I, at that time, I still was really like it, it. It was not like we didn't get here immediately. It was like a year and a half after my father's death. Um, yeah. And I was confused through that whole time because I was raised religious as a as person from Afghanistan. Most of the people, all the people. I mean, there are probably Christians and other religions down there, but it's mostly Islam, uh, Muslims. And I questioned, I questioned a lot of things after my father's death because, like. Um, like that's that's kind of how I lost my faith in religion, and I started questioning how a benevolent, uh, yeah, um, omnipotent God could just basically take away a father from a family of like nine. It wasn't like, like just about me. I was like worried about everybody in my family, and I'm like, how is that fair? So eventually we get we get to America. So um, just to answer your question, sorry for embellishing or whatever um no no you're not embellishing that's it's fine go into as much detail as you can um thank you um so like the difference between i guess in america and afghanistan is that i believe afghanistan is uh, a war zone particularly because they're stuck in uh, america used to be in the stone ages i mean the western civilization used to be in the stone ages and they furthered their education and 
and their freedoms and everything like that and they broke out from the stone ages but i believe afghanistan is still stuck and was stuck in the stone ages and still stuck in the stone ages and trying to get out that's why there's so much violence and cruelty hmm. do you have any opinion about like um soviet occupation of kabul and the civil war because it um kabul is a very very old city right it's been around a really long time like thousands and thousands of years 3500 years apparently but um and there was it was fairly developed until like i, I don't know i i need to learn i need to read more about the, the cultural shift in the middle east in general because there was it wasn't always so um so filled with islamic fundamentalism it wasn't always like that i think there was there were like major events that occurred i i agree um, I know. That way. Yeah, absolutely. I think I know um, what you're referring to. Um, basically, in the way, I mean, I did a little bit of research on it, and the way my brothers and everybody, they were there for longer. The way they tell the story was um, Afghanistan in the 60s was um, kind of modern, and women had more freedoms in mm-hmm. all. And then the so uh, Afghanistan's history uh, is basically that that it's rich in a lot of minerals and um it's just yeah has, has rich natural resources yes yes and uh, and it's also um it referred to as the heart of asia so it connects to mm-hmm. all the asian borders all a lot of asian countries and um yeah so a lot yeah, of- it has a direct link to china which is was a very very important um economic asset in, in basically all all stages of history if you had like a direct link to china you were doing really really well everybody wanted to trade with china yes yes everybody everybody does do you know what other countries it's connected to i'm not sure you know what i don't and i once again i really really need to learn more and i think it would be interesting content to examine the cultural shift that occurred and the historical events that caused that shift and maybe we could do like a multi-part episode on that. That would be really cool, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the that, uh, but just the background I remember was that the so it was a good country. I mean, it was a solid, um, in a way, modern country. But uh, mm-hmm. what happened was the Soviets invaded, and then and then um, they needed somebody to fight the Soviets, um, and America gave some people guns and armed them and they were the mujahideen yeah. and yeah the mujahideen, the <laughs> mujahideen. basically the mujahideen yeah. were engaged they were like acting within the united states interest and afghan and afghani interests i mean they were acting for both parts but then they after but it was basically like some sort of proxy war yeah against yeah. the Soviet union well put yep and I never knew what proxy meant until I started playing StarCraft. So I get, I get what you mean. <laughs> yeah, um, it was uh, in a way. And then once they drove away the Soviets, uh, the Mujahideen was were like, hey, why are we taking orders from America? We can just right. rule this country ourselves. So they became the freedom fighters that turned Taliban terrorists. So after that, it's kind of, um, yeah, it, it kind of went downhill from me. Yeah, I, I love history, but uh, this is an area of this is an area where like foreign affairs and history intersect and it's just a complete blank spot in my knowledge so i really i really really should learn more about about that time period what exactly happened and what how it caused the uh how it caused the tide of history to shift that's it's it seems like it would be really really interesting to learn about and i'm sure like most americans don't know how like how the middle east ended up the way it is now um, I think that would be really, really interesting to talk about on the podcast. If we could do like a deep dive, maybe like between scenes, we could do like one deep dive on a certain sub, have like two or three episodes dedicated to it, like a multi-part series. That would be really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I love, I love learning about history myself. Now, I, I used to think it was boring. So, but yeah, we could have a history segment or something. Bro, the way history is taught in school is so fucking boring. It's so boring, but like, um, I found out that like, I guess I, you know, I read a lot of books and I go to the library and I've identified like a common theme. Fuck man, I really like history. History is really fucking interesting. Um, yeah. So, but the way history is taught in school is just fuck. So a lot of people, when they hear 
hey, you should read more history. I think a lot of people like prickle up and say, well, it's boring. Well, it was boring because the way you were taught it was boring. But, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think the way the technology has um, developed, I think history classes would be more entertaining now versus reading through a textbook the whole time. So Yeah, I think um, there are plenty of novels out there that, that um, present history really well. Like I'm reading this book called Fantasyland, which is, it's a historical account of like early America. So it's like, it's 500 years, like the story itself is like 500 years of American history. And it, start, it starts with the premise that um, we're in a state now, we're, we're, in a, we're in a state now in history where there's a lot of misinformation and it seems like everybody is allowed to live within their own individual reality. And reality isn't really like that. Everybody lives in the same reality, but American culture is very much defined by individualism and our individuals extended to like the realities we live in. Everybody is living. It seems like this false reality. Um, and the, the book is like, why, why is it like this? And then through examining America before even the revolutionary war, it's like, well, it's always been this way and here's why. And it's really, really compelling. Um, it's really compelling. I highly recommend fantasy. I'll try to find the author by the end of this episode. But uh, that's what I'm working through right now. The title, like, the title is a little interesting. I thought uh, Fantasyland would be like um, science fiction or something, but it's nonfiction. Um, nope, it's nonfiction. Okay. And the the phrase that's used a lot that the uh, that the author coins is the fantasy industrial complex. Um, yeah, just really really interesting. It's I fucking sleep deprived right now so i can't uh whenever i talk about anything that's like secondhand information it's new like i sound like an idiot no um, not at all not at all I, I, you did a you get you did a great job at depicting what it's about it's by kurt anderson um yeah god it's okay. so it's really long too because it's like 500 years of history one thing that's cool about history is like just the scale the scale of the story is so huge it's you know it's epic it's epic what do you mean by that what do I mean by the scale? The scale, yeah. Like how far it goes back? Um, well, let's see. Okay, so like when you watch a movie, right, the the events that take place, usually you're seeing the events, um, like everything that happens in the movie takes place over like a couple days or a few weeks. But with history, typically these stories are unfolding over several years or in some cases several hundred years. And that's fucking really interesting. That's... Yeah, so the, like the scale, the scale is larger. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. So, yeah, oftentimes you can with with stories of such large scale, oftentimes larger o- overarching concepts. You can draw together larger overarching concepts because um, because of the time. Ah, uh, uh, my sense. brain is just filled with dog shit today, buddy. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Uh, I, I will look up the book. Did you? Are you reading the audiobook? I mean, are you reading the book? Or yeah, the I, I mainly I mainly consume audiobooks now because okay. I work nights and my job is very very hands off, so I can kind of just like do my job and listen to audiobooks, which is really nice. It is, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, I think I don't really have the patience to sit down and, and read. Well, if, um, if you look at it, you're basically being um, doubly uh, productive. I mean, you're being productive in multiple ways <laughs> so yeah i try to look at that look at it that way i'm trying yeah try, i try to look at it that way but anyway um so you moved here you moved to the united states in 2000 so what was that like well like what, what was 2000 america like for you do you remember like when you first moved and like what your first impressions of america were yeah absolutely i thought i thought i um i thought i was in heaven um just uh I felt like I, I, um, serenity and peace was in my mind a lot. Uh, I remember when we left, we got to the guest house that they're providing us. After we got away, got out of the airport, we came to the guest house. It was kind of late at night, and I just um, was relieved. And I put my head down, and it was the fastest sleep I ever remember. Like boom, yeah, lights out. So um, what what is it about? America that's heavenly. The the freedom, I guess that's probably the freedom and the safety. I know there's a lot of places. Hell yeah, brother, yeah. I can get with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so safety and freedom, like 
it sounds like when you're describing Afghanistan, it sounds like um, like when you're describing like hearing gunshots in the arcade and being bothered by it, it sounds like violence itself um, is normalized. If you've you've normalized violence and you've normalized violent conflict, like violent conflict in many parts of America is like unthinkable. Violent armed conflict in many parts of America is absolute. And yeah, I can see <laughs> I can see how that would be like a majorly positive cultural shift. Yeah, absolutely. It was because um, when when um, when I was down there, I remember some things like that that were like okay that doesn't make much sense uh like for police officers uh we were in a we were in a soccer game uh, i was with a couple of my brothers and some friends and there was a couple of guys on the other side they're playing soccer they're older guys i think they were probably in their uh early late teens probably 17 16 this, years is old. this in america this was in afghanistan um, this was in afghanistan okay, yeah um th- these guys were playing soccer by themselves and me, me and my brothers and we were either we were playing soccer too but we were playing somewhere a little bit ways apart they kicked the ball and the ball like they're playing amongst themselves and they kick the ball the ball travels and hits the car the jeep of the police officers so uh the guys go like all three of them go up to the police officers and ask for their ball back and i just see the police officers with their batons or their sticks and they're just beating these three guys up and throwing them in the jeep for, oh my God. for their for their football for their soccer ball hitting their jeep it was like and they had they had ak-47s on them so like these guys that are just trying to have a good time play soccer um go they go yeah. up to armed armed police officers and they want their ball back <laughs> they're not expecting to get beaten up but i mean well I mean, hey man they shouldn't have kicked their fucking soccer ball at the uh at the cop car they didn't do that on those purpose kids, those kids were no angels <laughs> yeah they didn't do they that. deserve yeah. I'm not saying they deserved what they got, but I'm just saying <laughs> okay. they, they weren't they were no angels. Yeah, they didn't do it on purpose, I'm pretty sure. But that that's just I, I, that's just yeah, it was it was like um it was like violence ruled everything down there. And over here yeah. it's like it's like generosity and compassion rules most of the things here. So um Yeah. Far more civilized. Far more civilized. Yeah. That's a that's a great way of putting it. There's not uh, it's more it's a lot of corruption down there. Um Versus here, I know there, these years we're facing a lot of, we're seeing a lot of like police brutality and all of these things um, coming out into yeah. picture. But down there, it wasn't like we didn't have to look that hard. It just was there. It was always, right. it's been there for a long time. So, well, you you were living through it. It sounds like you were living through a time of like major conflict as well. So tensions are really high. Not to be an apologist. Yeah. yeah. I, once again, I I probably I don't even have the right to have an opinion. No, no, no. So, no, you're. Do you you know enough? I mean, um, you know enough to like. I met a lot of people in America that have, have uh, no idea like um what what Afghanistan's about or Middle Easterns uh, Middle Easterns are about or but you you have you have the you have enough knowledge to know uh that. I'm not a bad guy. I mean, um, yeah. <laughs> even even before we met, I mean, you don't judge people from from their, where they are. So th- I mean, that's getting yeah, on kind that's of really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, yeah, no, I was. It was it was a uh, Pakistan and Afghanistan. I have been in war a long time too. So like, I go from a country that's been that's going through war to Pakistan, and they're in the war with the country I came from, and now I'm leaving, um, trying to. Like live in a place where um, is both... Pakistan an acronym? Um, is, Pac- no. is Pakistan an acronym for something? Uh, I don't. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm gonna have to look that up. I'm gonna have to look that up. Wait. So you move? When did you move to Pakistan? Um, pretty early, like when I was two or three years old, because the the war in Afghanistan was gone. So moved there for okay, a couple so years. Okay. So you you. And at that point, when you moved to Pakistan, you you were a refugee. No, no, I was a refugee when um I moved to America. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We were just I guess we we're just moving from country. I don't know if they have the refugee. They had the refugee system in Pakistan, yeah, or if they still if they do now. But I don't know. I don't know any. I I, I didn't know any countries that did refugee refugee resettlement other than the U.S. at that time. Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, all right. So you have your first few years, your first few years. Now, um, and by your 10th, by nine or 10, um, 
9-11 happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was... Uh... You... Yeah, go ahead. Nope, sorry, go ahead. Um, like, do you remember it? Do you remember... Because uh, my memory of Afghanistan... Or not... My memory of 9-11 largely is like a major cultural shift to heavy, heavy emphasis on security. And yeah, it's, it seems like, it seemed like a time of like, it ushered in a time of like mass paranoia and, and even larger Islam, Islamophobia. So I'm wondering like, if like, and that was just my perspective as, as just like our standard white person. But like, I'm, I'm really, really interested to, I'm really interested in your perspective as someone who actually came from Afghanistan. 9-11 was like, I couldn't even imagine what the United States were, was going through at that time because to me, violence was normal. But to the people that experienced that so, sort of violence where like it was so, it's, it was on a large scale. It, it So many people's lives, yeah. so many innocent people died. And it was like, I understood where everybody was coming from, even with the racism. I was like, yeah, well, I'm sorry. I didn't do it, but I know where you're coming from. But like, um, eventually the racism was uh, a part, like so annoying that I, instead of telling people I'm from Afghanistan, I would tell people I'm Puerto Rican or Italian. I changed my name a few times, but um, the Puerto Rican thing didn't work out because I was, I had a Puerto Rican friend. Yeah. <laughs> I go over to their house and his mom asked me and starts speaking in Spanish to me and I'm like, Oh, I was I was born I, I oh, just yeah. uh, I, <laughs> you couldn't keep up the lie, yeah. Couldn't keep up the uh, lie. So yeah, You re- should start speaking Hindi to her. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is the Spanish I know. <laughs> That's fucked up though, that you were bullied to such an extent that you had to like say you had to basically almost disavow your your, your ethnic group. Like or yeah. like not even disavow, but like you had to say like, yeah, th- like you were bullied to such an extent that you had to like formulate some sort of strategy. Yeah, to fit in, <laughs> to fit yeah, in and be accepted. That's fucked, though. To be accepted, but yeah, it is. But we all go through that in our lives. I mean, like I, I yeah. um, one thing I I pride myself on is uh, um, being able to adapt to my environment and. Um, yeah, that's good. You are very adaptable. I yeah. can, I can see that. Thank you. I, I can testify to that for sure. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, let's see. Let's see. What else? What else? Um, okay. So by, in like 2001, that'll happen. Like how long do you think the bullying lasted? Like how, how many years did that? Cause do you think by 15, you were still getting shit like about 9-11 and cause I don't, I don't know exactly when we, we invaded Afghanistan. Um, uh, hmm. that, that period is very fuzzy to me. Uh, I think it was the. Uh, when, did you, when did you think the like the bullying sort of died down, or do you still experience like oh, Islamophobia? No, 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 well, no, not really, not, not not at all. Actually, I haven't experienced it in a long time. Um, I am ex- personally myself, I haven't experienced it. Um, but I think it it died down when I learned to not. Uh, I mean, well, I guess it it died down when I was getting into my teenage years and um, probably early teenage years like 12 13 years old so like but that's when i also changed my name and told people i was puerto rican but like <laughs> so i How guess long you, did you pretend to be puerto rican for puerto rican and italian for a while i mean i had the poly d haircut italian? And, um or, italian? Or, or italian puerto rican or italian um for oh. like it, it changed uh into high school i guess i was the italian but puerto rican when i was like just going in from middle school to elementary school to middle school but like i guess it died down uh without me noticing because people didn't know i was afghani so like they couldn't be racist if they didn't know so (laughs) it died down like elementary school one one thing is like you when did you start learning how to speak english because you said like english is not your first language I, i started learning uh uh Within the first couple of years, I watched a lot of um, TV shows and um, watched a lot of TV. Um, basically, when the, within the first couple of years of your life, or moving to moving to America. Okay, so you were only like you were nine or so when you moved to America. Yep, eight or nine. But that that's still pretty late to start learning a language. So when did you, when do you think? Uh, well, like, because your your English is very good, and you don't really even have an accent. And I think most people, at at some point, your English got so good that you were distinguished basically any white dude with a beard. Yeah, yeah, no, I do have an accent. I'm just covering it up. I know how to speak like the Rochester. 
Augustarian yep. man. Hmm. Why, why do you cover up your accent? I'm just kidding. I don't have an accent. But yeah, at some point I did, I did uh, learn. Um, I was, I was a nerd. So being a nerd, I played a lot of video games and I, I watched a lot of uh, TV. I was into electronics a lot, so that that kind of helped with learning. You faster. consume the culture. You really I consume like, the culture. You yourself in the culture. Yes. Okay. So, yes. like, at what point do you think you got? You were like really good at English. Probably by, by like, <laughs> I mean, I guess when I moved to Pittsburgh, which was um, when I was 14 years old, when I moved to Pittsburgh, okay. because prior to that, okay. I was just fitting in and I was using a lot of slang and I was. Um, the ghetto language was one of my first uh, in- interpretations of English, and sure. okay. I mean, it also was like the way to be. It, it was very safe and guarded. It made me feel safe and guarded because I was a gangster. I thought I was. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, <laughs> so I had a lot of broken English and slang and everything. And then I moved to Pittsburgh, and I still had that broken English, but just being in this. Well, I guess being in a suburb suburb area. Um, Henrietta was okay. There was still like a lot of slang and everything, but in Pittsburgh, I kind of, um, I kind of got away from using a lot of slang. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Pittsburgh is the more affluent area of the city of Rochester where, uh, Mazi and I, uh, basically, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm going to say grew up like you grew up here basically. And I grew up here in Rochester. Uh, but Pittsburgh is a more affluent. It's that's the most affluent area. That's like the area that the most concentrated wealth is in, in Pittsburgh. And you moved there when you were like about 14. Did you move school districts? Yes. Did I, you change schools? Yes. Yeah, so I guess, uh, uh, from the age of, since we got to America, I moved like, uh, until now, but at that time in Pittsburgh, uh, I moved probably like five times within, within living in Rochester. So wow. Would, yeah, we would That's move quite every, a bit yeah. of time. Yeah, yeah, we would move every year. Um, basically, new school system and all that. Dang. So when you moved to Pittsburgh, your English by this time was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good, but it wasn't like it wasn't um, as. I mean, when I think of good English, I I do think of like um, I do think of like the way you you speak like. It's intellectual. It's um, it's it's very uh proper proper English, and I didn't learn you all. Have proper, you have proper English too. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. just sound like someone who's born. I mean, this is the language that I was born with and I grew up with, right? And I never had to like learn. I had I never had to like consciously learn it. I mean, I'm interested in 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 language generally, but I never had to like learn. I never had to learn English as a second language. So the fact that you have essentially no accent. And you didn't start learning English until eight or nine years old. That's really impressive, you know. That's that's really impressive to me, at least. Thank you. Um, and I think most people would find it impressive. So, but yeah, I'm just the reason I'm asking is because, like, me personally, I think that people's perception. I think this is inarguable. People's perception of you uh, depends on like how you how you talk and whether or not you have an accent. Yeah. So, and that factors into like the Islamophobia thing as well. So like, I think the amount and the severity of the Islamophobia that you might've faced uh, was greatly alleviated by your proficiency in English. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When, um, when you don't have an accent, people do treat you differently. Um, Particularly because you're, you sound like them. You sound like the people you're talking to. So like, They treat you like them. I guess if you sound, I guess part that's looking like them and sounding like them, you you start accepting more. So I guess I I uh, I wait a minute. I just realized this. I guess the one of the main contributing factors to me learning English faster than my siblings was because my godparents at the time, um, Jeannie and David Gloss. They're I don't want to dox them, but yeah. Anyways, <laughs> Jeannie Jeannie and David. Um, they basically took me and my brothers and and like they they we used to sleep over there almost every weekend. Jeannie was she was she was assigned to um to taking like some roles in our life to uh, progress our our living conditions here. Um when we when we came from Afghanistan there was a church that was that was 
the church it was because of the church that we got the refugee set, resettlement in mm -hmm. and then the church assigned Jeannie to go help me get my glasses and um Jeannie Jeannie picked me up to go get my glasses and she was she was I think in her early 50s maybe even 49 at the time and I was like this uh I met her in 2002 so I would have been like 10 years old 10 years old maybe at that time so um I after she picked me up to get my glasses uh, I asked her like a million questions and then she was like oh I have to show you to my husband <laughs> and then like I've known him since like then so for 18 years um, so they've been a major part of my life and I've had many conversations with them. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess in a way I had, I had um, a leg lots up. Lots of practice. Lots of practice. Lots of practice. You had lots of yeah. practice with English speakers. Yes. Uh, yes. And older English speakers who like, you know, had a lot of experience speaking the language. Absolutely. So that's really cool. And the fact that you asked, the fact that you asked a lot of questions is very revealing as well. You know, that's, you know, the fact that you were curious about a lot of stuff, that's, that um, it reveals an active mind. That's, that's cool too. Yeah, absolutely. I notice kids, children do that a lot. A lot of children do that. Um, I, I uh, was just my my cousin's kids were here the other night, um, and this one one kid asked so many. I'm trying to set up the game for him. I just asking like a, a hundred questions. I'm like, oh my god, I gotta leave. But yeah, kids do that. Kids do that. But for me at the time. Um, I, I, I like I like to really really figure out um, I guess it was a nervous thing too because I would always be nervous so asking people things would calm me down yeah well you know learning things is a way to like it's almost like a sense of control like if you understand some, something you feel like you have more power over it so if that makes sense if you were like if you're in an environment that you're is unfamiliar then yeah you're gonna be a little bit scared you're gonna want you wonder going to want to have a little bit more power like that's all natural that's all natural is what i'm trying to say absolutely okay well um damn what else we didn't prepare any topics today. <laughs> we didn't prepare any topics and i thought i would have my i think i thought i'd have um let's see what else well we don't have to talk about your past you no worries you're not, the... you're not you're not i'm not like making you nervous i know i feel really nervous whenever people ask me yeah no um I I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, you're you're my best friend, so uh, yeah. you can ask me anything. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. So you were about 14 or so when you moved to Pittsburgh. And what about what was high school like? Like what 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 was your favorite class in high school? Yeah. Tell me tell me a little bit about growing up. So I I really liked um I liked gym class because I had a lot of energy. Um. Nice. <laughs> I, I would always be getting in trouble, and I well, I always had a good amount of energy, and I didn't know where to where to place it. That's why I played a lot of video games. I like my mind was always active. I guess that's another thing. So, um, eventually, uh, in in high school, I, I mean, I got into a lot of fights because I was um, I wasn't really good at at I bounced around in a lot of schools, so I wasn't really good at um making friends i guess i i was looked i i was looked at the bad guy because uh, it was just i was i when i developed the sense that um being ghetto and being like being like a tough aggressive guy um was what would keep me safe i mean i i started not making that many friends and the friends i did make mentality is like a young adolescent dude what was that? You just had the pri it sounds like you had the prison mentality as a young adolescent dude. Yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah, I was in I was the the I felt like violence was the way to get things um violence and and was the way to assert dominance and get people's respect, which I was really wrong about. Um yeah. but <laughs> it backfired a bunch of times, but um I guess the thing the thing was a uh, experiencing uh, the trauma that I did as a child and then uh, growing up with it trying to uh, figure out how to how to cope with it was difficult so I wasn't really good at any of my classes you asked it, uh, what was my favorite class I liked English and I liked um, gym but I was not good I was not a good student because I kept getting in trouble I kept getting into a lot of 
fights and like I, I was good at I wasn't good at making friends, but the friends that I did make would use me to fight their battles. So it was like what that's fucked up it was yeah i got expelled i got expelled from pittsburgh because because yeah because i I stood up for someone no tolerance policy where if you get in a fight you're automatically expelled yeah yeah i i um but the thing i i eventually discovered which was which made everything um what made what made which made sense for everything the why i was the way i was was because i wasn't really good at balancing my emotions my mind was always active um, in Pittsburgh, I was hospitalized one time um, for uh, I was mental hygiene arrested, and that kind of changed everything. For... How old were you, you were first mentally hygiene arrested? So I was 14 years old. Okay, and when you were mentally hygiene arrested, they did some they did some tests. Presumably, you got uh, some you had a psychologist talk to you, and you were diagnosed with bipolar. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Um, the way I um, the way they they figured it out as bipolar was because <laughs> well the way yeah the way they figured it out was because i had racing thoughts some of the symptoms they talked about racing thoughts and um i would i was i was staying up often and my moods would be uh fluctuating randomly really fast um and when they picked me up when they were mentally high when i got mentally hygiene arrested the night before i was i was at a friend's house and i was i skateboarded from pittsburgh to brighton and then i was skateboarding back and I went into a gas station, and uh, the lady, the lady at the counter, the the clerk was was there. I started talking to her a little bit, but then I saw a customer come in. So then I backed up and I sat in the corner in a chair. And they, the customer and the clerk were talking, and I had my notebook out and I was writing everything they were saying. And um, once the <laughs> once the cu- customer left. I went up to the lady, I went up to the clerk, and I was like, look what I did, look what I wrote. And everything they were, they said, I wrote it down. She's, she's like, honey, why did you do that? I'm like, I don't know. I was just bored. I like writing. And part of part of bi- bipolar, what happens is, that's why sometimes I'm afraid to write, is um, hyper hypergraphilia, which basically means an uncontrolled desire to keep writing. So <laughs> at that time, I showed the lady what I wrote she was like okay and then I was saying stuff and she's telling me about some something that happened she turned around and I hopped up on the counter and I sat on the counter and she's like honey you can't do that and I was like okay I bounced off the counter and left and then the cops arrested me I don't know it was a funny story I just want to tell like I was skateboarding and there's a bike cop that just comes right next to me and says hey stop wait I'm like what do you want he goes I'm a cop I'm like yeah right I'm Barack Obama (laughs) He was on a bike. I don't see Let me be bike. clear. <laughs> he was on a bicycle, I'm, bro. I'm yeah. Yeah. So he's like he's yeah, like no okay. he's like, No, I'm really a cop. I'm like, dude, leave me alone. I don't know what the hell is wrong with you. And then he's like, I'm really a cop and then and and then a and then a actual car cop pulls up in front of me and they put me in in handcuffs and they put yeah. me in the back and Bad cop rolled up. <laughs> Bad cop rolled up. He's like, yeah, I'm a real cop. <laughs> okay, I'm like, okay, I'll listen to this guy. No, no. He say I'm a real cop while his. No, no, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. But he was technically in my mind a real cop. But the, I think the altercation went bad because he was like, he was asking me questions and I was really fired up. I was really like in a manic state. So he asked me a yeah. bunch of questions and I'm like answering it. And he's like, what did you do? I'm like answering all his questions. He's like, he's like, he's like, don't be a smart ass. I'm like, sir. I'm smart. You're being the ass. And then he's like, "All right, you're going. You're you're going to be in handcuffs." Now. So, <laughs> so then he puts me in handcuffs, and then they go talk over there to each other. And what I did was, they left the door open. I mean, they they left the window open. So I put the handcuffs under my legs, and I opened the door, and I waved it. I'm like, "You guys aren't doing a great job, by the way." So, <laughs> anyways, that's just that story. But the uh, when they took me to the hospital, um, and they I had to take my clothes off to put, but um, what is that? Is that a gurney? Is that what you call it? Stretcher? No, 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 not a stretcher. The the robe, the robe, the hospital robe that oh, they. Yeah, I think it's called a gurney. Okay, yeah. So then they made me wear that, but when they took when I took all my clothes off, um, besides my boxers, they saw all the writing on my body. I had like literally, I I was tat tatted up all over my my body. So. Um, oh, it's a gown. Sorry, it's a gown. A gurney is a stretcher. Okay. I'm, I don't mean to derail the conversation. I'm no, no. My, it's a gown. Okay. 
Sorry. Sorry okay. About that. No worries. No worries. But yeah. So basically, they I had writings all over my body, and then they they observed me and they figured out that I was bipolar because of um, all the all the uh, irrational behavior I was doing at the time too. So. Right. Okay. I didn't believe them at first. I didn't believe them uh, at first that I was bipolar. They came and told me, and they said, um, they said, Mossy, you're bipolar. Here's why. Uh, and I was like, no. Fuck you guys. I'm not bipolar. I'm just a regular teenager. Fuck off. <laughs> that was really angry. And I slammed my door. Dog, we observed you for a uh, total of like five whole minutes and we can determine that you're... No, no, no. They, they, I was there for a day or two and they, they observed me. Oh, but like, from the perspective of the cops. The cops oh, <laughs> no, no. The cops didn't tell me I was bipolar. The, 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 the nurses did at the hospital. Right. Yeah. Okay. But from the cop's perspective, I would say that you're not a regular. Oh, the cop's perspective. Yeah, they laughed. Yeah, they laughed a few times because I was doing some some things they don't they're not used to, like taking out the handcuffs, yeah. opening the car door. I didn't run. I just told them they weren't doing a great job. Yeah. And they laughed at the monotony. <laughs> yeah. You were harmless. Yeah. yeah you were yeah. harmless. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, what? But the hospital when when the nurses told me, I I got really angry and I told them I was a regular teenager and I slammed my door. Not after they left, not even 20 seconds later, I do a cartwheel and I go into the kitchen and get a turkey sandwich and I'm all la-di-da. So, like, then they come back. That's all, like, regular teenager behavior right there. I guess, yeah, but but at that time, they they said usually people, it takes a a while for people to, their emotions to be, like, regulated or takes a little time for them to be, um, for them to calm down. Uh, But I got really extremely angry and then within seconds I was back to normal so um that's why right. yeah. eventually i agreed i was bipolar like a day or two to like go from anger into cartwheel <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it was like i they had a good case eventually i agreed with them um so yeah that's how i discovered i was bipolar damn just as a quick side note do you know what a court reporter does a court reporter yeah they, they take um all the they, they write all the stuff all the they- what everybody says in court yeah yeah Have you ever thought about doing that <laughs> no uh, I, I don't know i never thought no i haven't i think you think you would be very qualified <laughs> yeah, yeah um i guess think that, about uh, that. pretty well yeah think yeah about transcript right yeah you basically uh you write the court transcript okay yeah yeah i, I think I'm, I'm i'm getting mine from my lawyer soon so i want to see what that's about yeah, ask ask your lawyer. Your lawyer could probably hook you up. Yeah, we should talk about that in the future, like the exact like the nature of your relationship with your lawyer, because it's when we say lawyer, it's not like it's a family lawyer that you invite over for lunch or whatever. It's like it's someone that had to yeah. defend you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Defend. Yep. yep. That right now, the episode is getting kind of long. And yeah, long. no worries. Yeah, it is. It is getting long. Um, but um, um, one thing. I want to talk about in addition to the bipolar stuff is um and when, then we'll close out the episode i think is um your family had like a store you guys ran like you you were like business owners is that right yeah yeah um my my brother-in-law right now my brother and my brother-in-law they're both separate business owners for dealerships but um uh, a while back in 2013 2012 my brother-in-law opened up a few stores that's cool owners, and yeah. you worked in a few of them yes that's cool. How did you like that? Oh, it was um, it was it was fun, exciting, and a little bit a little bit tra- uh, traumatizing at times too. <laughs> okay. Um, how old were you when you worked in your uh, brother-in-law's store? I think I was eighteen. Eighteen. I started okay. when I was eighteen. Yeah, nineteen. Eighteen. We're skipping. We're skipping a little bit forward here. This is like yeah. a couple of years after you've been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Yes. And like. I'm assuming they medicated you as well. Like you, you, you're on medicine. Yeah, I, mean, I was you were on medicine and still, still are on medicine. I am on medicine currently. I was at that time too, but I, I would be on and off medication because I, um, that's part of the can, I guess that's part of the mental illness. You trick yourself into believing you don't need the medication. So, but at that right. time I was medicated. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. So it was on and off and you weren't always like disciplined with, with the, the taking of the meds, which is, you know, again, like you said, very common for people suffering from bipolar disorder. Yes. But um, 
you know, after a couple of years, you were going steady and you had a, you had a good job. You had a good job uh, at a store right on right on a main shopping strip on Monroe Avenue. That's like anybody who lives in Rochester knows Monroe Avenue. It's sort of like Fifth Avenue for for um, New York City. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's that's a cool little area. And you, you, how were you feeling during that time? Oh, pretty good. Um, we got the we got uh, my brother-in-law went to the army and then came back with a good good amount of money because he was a translator and they're not they're wow. very they're rare. I guess they're they're rare to um I mean they got paid back then really well. So he got good I money. I think I've I've told you before that I think you should be a translator as well cuz like you you are very proficient at multiple languages and you just said translators make a lot of money. Yeah, no, thank you. That that's true absolutely. Um I don't think I want to I want to do the translating but I don't want to do it in the war zone. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I don't blame you. Yeah, I don't blame you at all. Uh, I heard some. I heard some gruesome stories from my cousin that did translating, and my brother-in-law, he 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 was also talking about. It. And I don't. I um. Yeah, I rather not get involved with the war if I can avoid it. So. Yeah. Or contribute to war, I guess. Maybe, yeah, but that, I'm, that. Yeah. I'm with you. There. But that's not really contributing to war. That's, I guess, in a way. Trying to. Yeah, I mean, you're acting it. as an agent within that whole system. So yeah. Maybe it is. You're you're playing some sort of role. So. Okay. You should just. You know what you should do? You should translate English uh, fan fiction into Hindi. <laughs> then you're, then you're okay. providing a service. Okay. Yeah, English, English uh, literatica into that, and I think there's probably money there. Okay. Okay. And then. Did you um, Did you say English erotica? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, there's always a market for that. Pe- people are horny no matter where they're from. Yeah, absolutely. That's one thing everyone can relate to. It's true. Yeah. yeah. And why, why are no girls fucking me? I gotta read some shit. It's gonna get my dick hard. Oh that's, right. There we go. That's the plight as old as man. As from you know from as long as we've had Kate have had writing. That's been. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I can, I just know the first, I can just imagine the first uh, caveman trying to learn a pickup line. Hey, club. I, I, imagine, <laughs> I imagine a caveman just drawing, drawing tits, <laughs> drawing titties on a, on a, on a cave painting. Oh man. Uh, that was <laughs> revolutionary. That was revolutionary. That would be revolutionary. He, he would have been the Da Vinci of his time. He would have been. Yeah. He calls his friends over. Look at this. Look, look. <laughs> okay, we got to do a segment for Caveman for sure. I miss those Geico commercials, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you were definitely a Da Vinci of the time if you drew some titties on a caveman. Yeah. It's pretty easy to draw, just like circles and then dots inside the circles. But you have to figure out how to draw in the first place. What are you writing? I don't think was. I could draw some titties. No, no, no. I'm saying at that time as a caveman writing, uh, literacy, you know, literacy. I don't know if they knew how to paint. Maybe they did, but yeah. No, like painting definitely like predates writing. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, yeah, in general, learning how to make stuff with, make, um, make symbols. Did cavemen know how to do that? Yeah, I mean, there's cave drawing, so I mean, I guess they did. Yeah, see history, man. History, I gotta uh, dive in. <laughs> anthropology. Anthropology. Yeah, anthropology is the study of humans. Okay. Archaeology is like digging it up, I guess. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. Anthro, like anthro, is like I think anthropomorphize, like to make something into human, right? So anthrop, and then anthrop. Yeah, anthrop is like a the study of human beings. Anthrop is a human being. Jesus Christ. Jesus. I think uh, anthropology, ology is like the study. Anthropology, I study, right? Okay. I'm not sure. I'm going to check it out. Just trust me. It all, it all makes sense in my brain. I okay. Promise. Who listens to this fucking bullshit? <laughs> we have listeners. We have listeners and they're we great people. Like they're Aaron great me. people. They're, they're, you guys are great. You guys are the listen. Da Vinci's of your time. Just, just know that. Listen. Listen to me. Um... If you're listening to this right now and you are not Masia Madzai or Jake Robinson, just just drop just drop a little voicemail message in there and I will pay you one dollar. I'm gonna pay you a crisp one dollar bill. Just drop a little voicemail in there 
and I'll get your Venmo information and I will give you $1. Wow. Just to prove, just nice. to prove that you're a fan um, and to prove that I appreciate you, I will give $1. All hey, right? there we go. Incentive. So, incentive. Incentive. That's incentive. Um, yeah. And with that, I think I'm going to end the episode. This has been a great talk. Thanks for, um, thanks for answering. Thank, thank you. Of course, thank you for being the questionnaire and the interviewer. You did an excellent job. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you, bro. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really tired. No worries. Um. Okay. Well, I'm gonna end the episode. Here, okay. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye.